0: Hey, Sean. Hey, what's up? Don't you hate when you are super excited for a new product to come out and you get super hyped up and you've been following it for a while and you you don't know the actual release or the the, the price of the product until it's released? And it's then you're like, oh, shit, this is, you know, $200 more expensive than I was hoping it to be. and Do, then Does this item it.
1: hold <laughs> by chance? Uh, sure does. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm so uh, we were. I'm, I'm also disappointed.
0: We were super psyched for this uh, foldable, portable like board game table, and it was. Uh, I don't know, Sean. You pointed this out to me a little while ago, and then we were following it, and then they released it on Kickstarter for like two hundred dollars more than what a a foldable table should cost, plus accessories, and it ended up just being cheaper for us to. It'd be cheaper for us to buy a really nice like heavy-duty quality wooden table
1: no i've been thinking about this more and more you can go to canadian tire buy one of those like gray foldable tables build some rails around it put some friggin felt in it and store it in your closet for like 75 bucks
0: exactly that's what i was thinking actually earlier today It's like i could just take the foldable table that i bought from canadian tire for 75 bucks and tape some uh, felt onto it same thing Mm.
1: I feel the influence of Canadian Tire is strong in this episode.
0: You know what is not so strong in this uh this episode? <laughs> What's that? This episode of the CN Screen podcast. Terrible.
1: Just terrible. <laughs> hey, whether it's your favorite tabletop adventure, movie, or video game, we've got to cover. Welcome to the Screen. With your host, Sean and David. David, sometimes you feel so under pressure to make an intro sound amazing or the segue just to hit different, and today is no different because. <laughs> a friend of ours who loves our intros and segues is probably so disappointed while well, you and I were laughing so hard, I'm literally crying and I hit the outro button instead of the intro button. But, uh, why would yeah. that, fr- why would that friend be be affected more so today than any other day, David?
0: Uh, because we are having performance anxiety right now. I think we, <laughs> we have a special guest, someone who, uh, we've, we've mentioned, in the shadows a few times in the past. It's not uh, Owen. It's definitely not Owen. Uh, no, one of my good friends uh, from from many years ago, uh, an avid board gamer, gamer of the video gamer type, but also just a just a dude. We got uh our good friend, Alex, here, uh, who is here to talk to us about, well, he's going to join us as like a semi, not really a co-host, but a special guest, I guess. I don't know. I'm just ranting. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. That, that intro th- really threw me off. You know, That's it was like it was
1: hot trash.
0: It was like a, it, it, we were like playing a game of basketball and your goal or your, your task was to line up for that rebound shot. You were supposed to set up that segue and you dropped the ball on that one. I totally blame you.
1: Yeah. Cause you were like, Do you know "What <laughs> doesn't this episode of the scene on screen? I was like, what's that? Oh, I don't know. This episode of the scene on screen podcast. <laughs> All, yeah, all-time terrible intro. It's okay. Alex, welcome to the show. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Drop your your handle for Twitch or Instagram if you'd like. The floor is yours, my man.
2: Hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> um, it's not the quality of the segues that I love. It's the absurdity of them. And that one worked just, just fine. So it, it, we're pretty absurd.
1: <laughs> we are all over the place. So uh, the 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 whole goal here, as uh, we're we're trying to get everything set up and organized for you all here, is where we're going to be bringing Alex into some shows to talk about board games to fill the gaps that I might just have because my board game collection is maybe a tenth of these guys combined, if I'm lucky, or or uh, less uh,
0: combined. No, I would say more like. Com- like a sixteenth, yeah. Uh,
1: like yeah. Oof, Marone. Okay, so,
0: Sean, I don't you think know. you realize how many games I have in my collection.
1: I know how many games you have in your collection. You send me pictures all the that
0: you don't. I don't even know how many private games, times. <laughs> I don't even know how many games I have in my collection. Actually, the other a few weeks ago, I was looking. I was moving some stuff around, and you know, like those big. Uh, I don't know what's it called. Like the chest that goes at the end of a bed,
1: like a, like a. Like a like
0: a like an ottoman type thing sure so anyways my my dad had built one years ago and then my parents gave it to me when we moved up here and i guess at some point i put board games in there and <laughs> so so i was moving i was moving some stuff around i'm like why the hell is this thing
2: so heavy and i opened it up and there's probably about 15 board games in <laughs> there that i had completely forgotten about yeah david has so many board games he's forgotten about Like, probably a third of them. Yeah, Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. It's a problem. When I was at your place up in uh, the North Pole there, David, uh, one of the first things on the tour of the house was just like, yeah, these are all my board games. And then over there, there's some more board games. And then in my basement that corner, it's just full of board games.
0: Yeah, the ones in the basement were all boxed up, though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, it's. Some people might say I have a problem, but I mean, some people also might say that it's just a healthy addiction. Yeah, there's worse things that I could be you addicted didn't to. Need
1: ticket to ride, so it's fine. But here we are.
0: Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> one week
1: later, is it out of the plastic yet? Have you liked <laughs> it, it? it?
0: Is yeah, I, I took it. Uh, I I opened it up and looked at the components. We talked about this on our last episode or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I
1: thought you were just saying that it was like uh, an amazing 3D model and that's what you were doing. So I was just like, OK, no, I Clearly, he out. hasn't played it like anything else he buys.
0: <laughs> Not yet. But the problem is I don't have a big enough table for that, actually. So uh, that's like a floor game. Can you David, anyway, a board game? Um, I don't really think so. I think in order to do that, you would have to start playing the game and then stop playing halfway through. Just be like, Damn, right. I'm done.
1: This game's trash. I'm done.
0: Uh, Yeah, we at least played through like one one round and then you just never have to play it again.
1: I I was going to say I've David did uh, Fire Rescue or Flashpoint so far. I've uh, sat out to sit it or I've set out to play it twice and both times we haven't played it, but I'm still amazed that the the idea that you and I thought was an original thought about having an expansion was actually what the expansion was.
2: Yeah. I believe there's also an expansion uh that has like a submarine. I think I saw that somewhere. Um and maybe some other like kind of interesting approaches.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that could, like it that that
2: would be kind of cool. Yeah, I think all the expansions are just maps.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, if anyone's uh, wondering what this episode's about, because we can't talk about video games, we can't talk about movies, we can't really talk about anything that uh, involves people. We kind of uh, can now, but it's fine. I know, but come on, man. I'm just trying to go with this flow. <laughs>
1: no, no, you correct week, me every chance you get. This so this is my week. turn.
0: This well, we can't talk about automotive or planes because they're on strike now, and all the manufacturers for that stuff. Uh, this week, because it's. October or spooktober some people like to call it we are going to be talking about the best or or some of our favorite uh, spooky games to play in the month of October um, and and that's partially why we have Alex here as a guest on our show for today because um, Alex has uh, you know I guess when I lived down in civilization Alex and I uh, had really started playing a lot of games together and uh, we still we still do from time to time. And, uh, you know, so that's why it's always good to have like a third person or like a another uh, opinion on some of these games. So we have a list of some of our uh, spookiest games. And by spooky, I don't necessarily mean actually scary, but, you know, thematic games for, uh, for October. So we're going to go through this. Uh, we're going to talk about them a little bit. And maybe after this episode, you guys might want to go out to your local friendly local game store or amazon or whatever and and pick a copy up for yourself so uh first game we're going to talk about today is one that we've all played an extensive amount of times uh we've all
2: actually played this game together as well
0: yeah multiple times uh and sometimes sober sometimes not so sober <laughs> i'm talking about <laughs> betrayal at house on the hill this is a uh, a co-op well it's, it's this is a unique game because it starts off as a co-op game, but then it turns into a one versus all game. So for people who don't know that it, it's essentially a one player versus everyone else that you're playing against. So these types of games usually have a little bit of a different player count requirement. This one is a minimum of three players, um, which I guess you could technically play this with two people, whereas one person would have to control two other characters, but that can get kind of, uh, I don't know, confusing if if it it kind of ruins some of the the uh the strategy involved with this because a big part of this game is that teamwork and working together or stuff like that so
1: and who's gonna do the voices if you're playing one v one
0: that's true we have a we have a special rule so to speak uh about this game is that before we start you always have to come up with a backstory of your character and why they're in the house there um so Alex i'm gonna let you explain a little bit about. Um, you know the, the initial setup and how the game is played in general
2: so basically everybody starts in the main foyer of this haunted house you all pick characters i believe there's six characters to choose from um and there's two different variations of each character uh and the main part of the beginning of the game is you just explore the house together Everybody kind of goes their own way. You go through a closed doorway, you put down a tile. It'll be a random tile from a stack that you are exploring that room. And each one of these rooms has a different uh, outcome that happens when you explore them. It could be an event. It could, you could find an item uh, or you could find uh, what they call an omen, which uh, the more omens you find, uh, the closer you get to the haunt, which is the turning point of this game.
0: And yeah, the haunt is, uh, you know what? We found that the haunt is where the game can get kind of confusing. Like the overall, like uh, Sean, like you, like Alex and I have played this game a, a bunch of times together. And I think Alex was the one that introduced this game to me. Um, and this was probably one of the first, I would say in the history of, of us playing games together as, as a group this and one other
2: that we'll talk about later
0: yeah uh this was one of the first games that uh, we played and i remember alex coming up to uh this was back when we worked together coming to work and be like hey guys i just bought this new game it seems pretty cool and we're like okay let's play and it's become one of uh one of my favorite games and and uh it's an easy game to learn and to teach right like sean so you learned to play this game numerous Uh, times did you play this game before you played with us or did we yes. teach you on uh, on TTS?
1: No, no, I've, I've played this game previously. So I played this game actually at a house party probably seven or eight years ago. Um, and it was, I, I mean, it was more of a get together where we were playing board games. But that was one of the games that uh, everybody really wanted to play. And unfortunately, uh, my friend, we'll nickname him Spilly, spilt a game on the board, which kind of derailed the whole game and then we had to start over. So but the betray- haunt
0: started early then. Oh, started. <laughs> I
1: can I can hear Owen now like cringing. He's like, "Why didn't you wrap your board in plastic?" Yeah,
0: <laughs> leave your cards.
1: Um, to, to me, this game is at least one of the most pick up and play board games you could play around this uh, this spectacular holiday season. And that has a lot to do with the fact that it's very straightforward until the fucking haunt. So the game is so simple to play. Drop a tile, walk into a room, do whatever card says. Very simple. And then depending on what version of the board game you are playing. So I think when we played together, we played my brand new copy of the set. second edition. It's all the second, second edition. edition. Yeah. 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 So like we we literally cracked the cards on that because you... Um, picked it up for me on an adventure for like fifty percent off what I would pay for it here, so that was that was really thoughtful of you, David. I miss you. <laughs> Anyways, um, we played that version, and there was I think both haunts we ended up playing, if I remember correctly. Um, the second one specifically was very open to how you could read the rules without the rules being completely definitive on how the game should have ended or what mechanics could be exploited. Um, I'm trying to remember what the villain or the, the haunt was, but I just remember uh, I think it was actually Alex's character that had an insane loophole that ended up winning the game because
0: it was, yeah, like, and, it
1: was impossible to beat it.
0: And and this is kind of like the one complaint that uh, people have had for this game in general, or at least the first and second edition. Now the third edition has fixed some of like the confusion in the rule books and stuff like that. But, um, The the one of the main issues is that when the haunt happens, the rules of engagement changes. So the person who had started the haunt that they're the betrayer, they go off into a room and they have a book that they read from uh, that has the instructions on how they have to win the game. Right. And then the same thing with the remaining characters, they are the uh, they're they have instructions on how to stop the betrayer. So some of the some of the uh, the instructions are pretty straightforward. It's just like okay, these are these creatures are coming in, you have to get this item and use that item to defeat them, right? But then the one that we were playing with had the way that the and I, I forget which which one it was, but I've played this one, I played that haunt like two or three times and every single time it's the same confusion. And the the rules are very like they're not clear on actions and what is what because like there was demons like there was like the master demon and then there was like minion demons right and so they were using the terms demon interchangeably and so it got very confusing with uh, regards to how to actually properly beat that round but um, in general though i find that the game is like sean said it's very easy to learn and pick up and play i've taught this game to i don't know four or five people in the last few years and after the initial like explanation of like okay like this is how you move your character this is what we do uh, it's it's pretty straightforward and then the cool thing about this game is because it's div- divided into two kind of main parts right you have your ex- exploration and then you have the haunt you don't have to explain the rules for the haunt or how you can control characters and stuff like that until that actually happens so it gives people a chance to understand basic rolling mechanics, basic movement mechanics and all of that stuff before it gets into a little bit more confusing aspects of stuff. But the downside with that is that if you're playing with someone who has never played the game before and they are the betrayer, well, then they have to go off and figure out how to play their character without really being able to ask for any help, without giving away what, what they have to do to, to win. Uh, So there's been some that there's some points where that could be difficult for new players. Especially Um,
2: if the haunt happens early. Yes. And you don't get the time to kind of ease them into the more complex rules of it. Um, Like things that the omens do, things that the items do, um, how combat works. Uh, These are things that uh, they just won't understand going to become the trader two turns in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, there, uh,
0: I, I guess some of the, the confusion and the rules have been, like I had mentioned, have been uh, a little bit better explained and edited in the third edition, um, which I think is pretty much all you can find right now unless you find like older copies for sale. But I think most retail stores have cleared out the mm-hmm. second edition. That's why uh, Sean and I got it for so cheap. But I do want to mention... A special edition of the game that came out a few years ago It's called Betrayal Legacy. So a while ago, if you guys remember, all of these like legacy style games were coming out where it's a single use. You know, you play the game for so many times and then that's it. Right. So like a pandemic legacy, there is a um, risk legacy and a whole bunch of other type of legacy like legacy games, so Betrayal Legacy is it's unique in a sense that it came out before the third edition, so they fixed some of the rules and explanations from the second edition, but they added new mechanics into this. So you actually play. Uh, there's thirteen, I would say, story ish campaign games, and as you play, it, it introduces each game introduces a new mechanic, and then you actually modify uh, the the building tiles. So if someone dies in a room in the legacy edition, then there's a spirit that gets put in that room and will always be in there. And then rooms with spirits do different certain things and and whatnot. So it and it takes place over generations. So like the first game that you play takes place in like the 1800s. And then the next game is like 20 years later. And the next game is 20 years later. So you create like a family. And it's more of like a generational story. So it's like, OK, like this is my this is the great, 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 great granddaughter of so and so who first went crazy in this house, you know, 200 years, years ago. Now, the the one main difference between this and uh, other legacy games is that once you play the 13 or so uh, campaign missions, you actually have a fully customized a uh, betrayal game that you can play just in scrimmage. So, just like any of the other betrayal games, but items, tiles, and characters, and stuff like that are customized based off of the history of the game. So it's actually pretty cool in that sense. So, yeah, so
1: just before we move on to the next game, uh what I would like to do, although I haven't played all of these games, is just kind of like a willingness to recommend out of five um from you guys. And the other thing I want to mention about betrayal specifically, is It does have a companion app, which is helpful for um, players who don't want to like scan through the book to try and find out what their haunt is and keep track of a few different stats. And there's multiple YouTube playlists for Betrayal, which is something that is super awesome. I know when we played Betrayal, we were using that. I think we also used a playlist for Dead of Winter. So there, there are games like that that have playlists that you can find that makes it a little bit more immersive. Uh, my willingness to recommend would be a three and a half out of five. Uh, My willingness is based on the fact that it is a fun game. It lasts about an hour. It kind of gets the room going, but sometimes the game is hella boring. So like I've played a few betrayals that I've been like, "Ugh, this is kind of a bad story or the haunt starts so early that you really, like it's so hard to like, find the room that you need or the balcony and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. So, three and a half out of five for me.
2: Uh, Yeah, I would give it uh, four and a half to recommend. Um, I love this game. It comes down a little bit just on the ambiguity of the rules for me. Mm -hmm. Especially with the second edition. I haven't played the third edition. I uh, haven't checked out the rule book. Hopefully, like you said, it does resolve a lot of that. Uh, But I'm sticking with four out of five
0: or 4.5 all right i'm gonna have to go with the four same same reasons for for alex uh, but i find that this one it it also like like any game that you play it depends on the willingness of the people to to want to learn the game and you know when sean mentioned like there's some games that can be hella boring and i think part of that depends on the people that you're playing with and if they can really embrace the atmosphere of the game and, and the haunts and stuff like that, it does like even if your character is not doing a whole lot, it's it's more enjoyable when when everyone's involved and and kind of on the same page with that. Now, I do want to mention, though, Sean did mention that there's an app. The app is only for the third edition of the game. So. If you have the second edition, unfortunately, uh, the official app, I don't know if there's a third party one or if, uh, like someone else has made something else for it, but the official app for it, um, you can monitor your character stats and, and, uh, the haunts and items and stuff like that. But unfortunately it doesn't really work for the second edition because I think they've changed some of the haunt numbers as, as well. So, um, but yeah, anyways, moving on next game, uh, Alex, have you played this one?
2: yes okay i played this one you were the uh, one that
0: introduced this to me again i think so uh sean i don't think you've played this one but we're talking about the game of uh game of despair and (laughs) and you know this is actually such a fun game it's called gloom and it is a game for two to four players or if you seven if you have an expansion uh it takes about an hour to play it is a card game where you are you have a family and you want to be the most miserable family and then die <laughs> good, ultimately good, that's a strategy it. <laughs> for a game i guess eh? <laughs> that's ultimately what it is so this is a really cool game concept because the, it's a uh, the cards are all transparent they have uh, mm-hmm. things on them that you essentially place it down on other cards and it covers up certain aspects of those cards below it so each one's have. uh a title. So it's kind of like a story prompt and then a score related to it. So it's either going to be a negative or a positive. um, And then some of them actually are just straight up, it kills your character. So the goal, like I said, is you want to have the most miserable family. So you want to have a a negative score. um, And you can play modifier cards on your family, you can play them on other people's family. And the last per or sorry, the first person to have their entire family die wins. Well, not necessary. So the, the game ends, sorry, when the, the first family dies, and then it's whoever has the lowest score altogether, but
2: it's usually the first person whose entire family dies because you only collect points for the your are dead characters. So if you're one person's super happy or super miserable, but not dead, they don't count.
0: Yeah, and you can't actually uh, nobody can actually die if they don't have a negative score which is another thing so there's a ton of expansions for this there's thematic expansions they have like a game of thrones they have space stuff they have uh geez um cthulhu um and then a whole bunch of other there's like fairy tales anyways but the even the base game like this is a really good game if you want to just be very social and there are some some situations where this game doesn't work but if you have a a good imagination and you can come up with stories on the fly this is a great game because essentially what we do is that you have to create a story of you can just play it's like oh this person you know died because or 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 got like maggots in their soup right and you can just play the card and it can be boring or you can use that as a story prompt and create a story and play that and that's where this game comes and that's where it becomes really fun
2: I think Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's a it's a great game for uh, improvisation and storytelling. I like the way you put it was uh, competitive storytelling.
0: Yeah, uh, and so Sean, you've never played this game though. That is but very correct. I think though you would would really enjoy this game. This is actually a perfect game to play over TTS because it's very simple mm-hmm. in regards to setup, and it's, it's only it's just conversation. Yeah. Um, I have some like good stories of some some story arcs. So one of the times that I was playing with uh, She Who Shall Not Be Named, uh, we actually had a story arc where my character uh, essentially became uh, their whole goal was to become president and then completely obliterate and like ruin their their uh, reputation so they can just be hated by everyone and become super miserable <laughs> and then die. Right? Like it was just it was just a ridiculous story, but. Um, it's one of these things that that game is talked about still regularly um, in my household and, and in my small group of friends that we've played it. I actually have like almost all the expansions. Um, they release a like, a, a, I guess it's kind of like a sequel, but it's not really like it intermingles with the base games called gloomier. And then they have not like to be
1: conclusive with Gloomy
0: And uh then they released a uh a like a big box that holds all the cards. But this is a game that I think um it's it's an easy intro to like a Halloween or spooky games. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there's there's a difficulty with this is that if you play with someone who doesn't really have the uh, ha- doesn't really have an imagination or is it not really v- good at coming up with stories on the spot or whatnot or doesn't really have that desire to play a game like that it's not a fun game it's just okay I'm going to play this card on your character
1: okay so uh, it sounds interesting to me I'm going to stay fairly neutral on it and I'm going to say a three I, uh, I would like to play it I think it would be a lot of fun but I also have to play a game to give it above an average rating IGN I'm talking to you
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'd say um I'd probably give it a 3.5 um for the simple fact that it is almost entirely dependent on who you're playing with like David said if you're playing with a you know unimaginative group group of people you're not gonna have fun at all Mm -hmm. but if everybody can you know come up with interesting stories and play off each other um it becomes very, very fun. Yes. Uh, it's also relatively cheap. I believe you can get the base game for $20, $25. Yeah, around that. Uh, so it is excellent for something to just pick up. It's tiny, it's a little box, probably the size of about a phone.
0: Yeah, or like two decks of cards side by side. Now, the nice thing about yeah. this game is for uh, this is also a perfect game to play when you're drinking. Or if you're if you're ta- playing with people who are more likely to spill their their drinks on the table because all the cards are are plastic. So if they get messy, if they get sticky, you can just wipe them and you can just wash them, wash them right off. But um, I do see in a quick search that there is a, a copy of the game on TTS. So, Sean, we're going to set that up and we're going to play that. Maybe we'll stream that. That'll be a, a great a great game to play live. But uh I'm gonna definitely give this one I would say uh a three and a half out of five because again, like it's a it's a really good game when you have that group of people that uh want to invest in the uh I don't know, the the way to play it, right? The the obscurity of the storytelling. But if you don't have someone like that and they just want to play cards, then it's it's not very fun, unfortunately.
1: All right. So what is next on our list of games that we want to tell people to play? Of course, it is a game that is not based on Batman, which when I watched <laughs> a video this morning, I was very disappointed to discover that this game has nothing to do with the Cape Crusader. It is in fact Arkham Horror. And that's all I know about it. That <laughs> and it's it's uh it looks like it's kind of a a spooky game. It's in an HP Lovecraft setting.
0: Yeah. This is one of the, I would say, one of the original Lovecraft-based games. Now, there's three editions that are out right now, and then there's some spin-offs. There's like Eldritch Horrors, which is another one. But Arkham Horror is like the classic, I would say, HP Lovecraft-style board game where you are investigators trying to f- ward off demons coming from, I don't know, the outer worlds and
2: nineteen twenties, over. 1920s, yeah, 1930s.
0: Era, we, we've played this a few times. Uh, Alex and I, we've played with. Uh, I don't think we've ever won this game. It's a difficult game.
2: No, Uh no, th- I've played this game a number of times. I've never won once.
0: the The third edition is a little bit more accessible and a little easier, but the second edition is pretty difficult. You need to be stone cold sober to, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, play this game. To be paying attention, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of a uh, lot of rules, a lot of things that need to happen at each turn or at the end of each turn and it's really easy to miss things. But this game is difficult. Like every time you pass by a monster, like there's no evading a monster in a sense of like, Hey, I'm just going to sneak past it. There is like, you're going to evade the monster, but you have to do a horror check. And you have to do that every single time you do something. And if you go crazy, then you lose. But there's a reason why this game is being around for so long and why it keeps being a a recommended game is because it is a solid game if you can have if you can get enough people to play this game and and say like i'm going to focus and play this game and learn how to play it it's a really good game there's a lot of strategy involved with it the difficulty really really promotes the cooperative aspect of it because you know one person might be wanting to do something uh, but they just can't because they have like I don't know. They're on the verge of going insane or dying, so they need to escape and someone else has to heal them and all this stuff. And it it can get pretty, pretty uh, cutthroat when it comes down to it. But
2: uh, Alex, like it, in, this in is the- also a game. Uh, it, it gets better the more people you have playing. So I think the most I've ever played uh, this game with was four people. And it's great with four people, but. You know, just one more person, two more people. I think it goes up to eight people mm-hmm. uh you can have playing this at once. Each one just adds a little bit extra and you can just do more with the game. So like if you want to win, get a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I would say like uh, a good balance between not having so much downtime between turns and then but not having too many people at the table i would say between five and six players yeah i was gonna say six players the difficulty does scale um because after each player mm-hmm. goes then something happens in regards to the monsters and stuff like that so it's not like you're the more players is going to make the game easier it actually uh the difficulty like i said it's scale so the game might actually get harder but the fact that you have more people that can accomplish more things that in turn makes the game easier mm-hmm. now Uh, the second edition of Arkham Horror has like a big classic style board game that is just a big rectangular board game that's unfolds, right? And then there's probably about half a dozen expansions that adds to it. So this does take up a lot of table space. Now, the third edition of this game, they change it to more of like the modular style of game or of uh, boards where you're essentially building uh, neighborhoods of the town of uh, or the city of Arkham or whatever it is, the town of Arkham. Um, and it's, uh, a little bit more accessible and, and updated. I find that most people, if they play, if they've played this game recently, it's going to be the third edition. Now I can't really attest to how the third edition plays cause I've never played the third edition and I find it Neither hard to I. just, I find it hard to justify that purchase because I have the second edition, but there's also a lot of other games that are very similar. Um, like Cthulhu death may die is one that comes to mind. In um, the same kind of idea of like explorers ex- or, or investigators uh, exploring like a, a, a modular town or map or something like that. But uh, um, I mean, this game, it is difficult. I would say it's like I would say give it a f- four and a half, almost five out of uh, the difficulty or, or sorry, complexity. Um,
2: it but- is far and away the hardest one we've talked about so far.
0: Yeah. So, and uh but if you can get a good group of friends to play, if you get people that are say coming over and they are ready to focus on a game, this is one to play. 100%.
1: Um so my question to you guys is do both of you own it?
2: I do. I don't, but I have a friend who lives nearby that owns it.
1: So my that, my 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 follow-up question to to David, the David E Davider of all things games, why would you buy a board game that you know is almost impossible to win? Ah,
0: uh, it's a very thematic game. I mean, I don't always play games to win, right? Like it's the same reason why you play games competitively, right? Like if uh, I know Sean, you're a very competitive person, and you you prefer to win over the competition. That is
1: that is true. I do prefer to win.
0: If, if there's a game that That you don't, that that you've never won, but it's a fun game. You're still going to want to play it, right? Um, And I think that's that's why I like the the theme of the game. I like the Lovecraft styles of games, and I like a challenge. Um, You know, we'll talk about a game that we've only won maybe fifty percent of the time, if not less, but we still play the game quite regularly.
1: That's fair. I mean, I think- we played oh shit. What was that game? The Oregon Trail. That game has mm. one of the lowest winning percentages possible. We did it.
2: But, we're awesome.
1: Yeah, mm. like, no, the the biggest reason I ask is like, I, I I'm going to say a two out of five for this game because it sounds like something I don't want to play. Like I, I could be coerced into playing with you guys, but I like at the same time, like it's just not appealing to me.
0: That's fair. I mean, I feel like you're kind of put off by the complexity of the game, but that's also a big factor in a lot of these games, right? Like if a game is described as very complex, some people just don't want to play it, right? Like uh, Twilight Imperium is a very complex game, right?
1: Yeah, but I kind of want to be signed up for that agony,
0: (laughs) right? But that's the thing. It's It's a very
2: long game.
0: It's it's a different type of complex, right? Like it's uh, there's... It's not an impossible game to win, though, right? Because this is a, a with, with Arkham Horror, you are it's it's you versus the game, essentially. Whereas, like a game like Twilight Imperium, which is a very complex game, a very large game, it's you versus each other, right? So, uh, a game like that might be very complex, but it's possible to win, right? So that that, that does make a big difference in. And stuff but I mean I always like games where there's a challenge and if you can go back and well let's I'm just gonna mention Gloomhaven. Alex and I have played uh I have Alex and I have played Gloomhaven or we've started playing Gloomhaven how many times and we have yet to finish the first mission.
2: <laughs> so I've gotten past that first mission and it becomes so much easier after you beat that mission. But that mission, that first mission in Gloomhaven is so hard and I don't understand why that's true yeah all right so,
1: what what's your recommendation because we we're, we're only going to end up talking about three games at the
0: rate you two are talking about these games because well, that's all right we're passionate uh, about yeah games. we are uh if this one you know what? like this is i would give this <laughs> it's hard to give this more than a three as much as i enjoy this game it's not on my top list of games to play but i think it's a perfect game for spooky season Turn, turn yeah, the lights I'm, down low, light some candles, paint some, you know, elder signs on the wall and blood or something like that. <laughs> and you got the perfect atmosphere for this game.
2: Yeah, I think I'm sitting right around a three as well. Um, the complexity brings it down a little bit because it makes it harder to get people to play these games, uh, as well as just the commitment of time to play it.
0: Mm-hmm. You need to
2: basically get the people who are coming to play it with you to dedicate an evening for it that is what you're doing that is the s- central part of your get together yeah uh, and you can't just you know be chatting over it you have to be focused on it so I think for that I have to give it a three
1: fair all right now what can you guys tell me about you, <laughs> you're you switching the game was live I was like okay <laughs> I have this link open we're talking villainous now <laughs> <laughs> what can you guys tell me about villainous i could talk about this one i like it it's fun all right um, talk about it well it's a competitive family game with light role play now you can't really make the backstories for people like ursula or captain hook or prince john but you can still do the voices if you really tried hard enough <laughs> um it is for two to six players uh the age limit is very low so a lot of people can get into it not an overly scary game, but once you start getting the idea of the the fact that you can battle multiple people at the same time, the game gets really complicated. If you're playing 1v1, it's a little bit less challenging, but the, the whole idea is you are a Disney villain and you're trying to take on a Disney hero and you're completing your own story while somebody's trying to complete their own story and you have to race them and you can like... How would you how would you say attack them? <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to think of uh...
0: Every, everyone is uh, plays a, as a different Disney villain. Yeah, and their goal is to they have a uh, their own goal to win. So uh, they have to do different things, and essentially they can af- affect other players by uh, removing cards or removing tokens that they need to complete their own individual goal. And ultimately, it's uh, whoever completes their individual villain's goal. How many times can I explain this while saying (laughs) the word goal? Um, They have to complete their set of specific uh, requirements for them to play, or sorry, for them to win. Um, And like Sean had said, though, this one is interesting because you can play as uh, you can mix and match the characters that you're playing as so you can play and there's a bunch of different expansions there's a bunch of different themes there's a Marvel there's a new Star Wars that one just came out but Disney villainous is like the main original one so
1: there's tons of those ones too I um I think I counted six five or six so there's there's lots
0: yeah and I think this game I've played this game with two people and it's it's not as fun just because the strategy is less right because you're just playing against that one person, and you're always aware of what they're doing. But the strategy and difficulty increases as you add more players because you have to focus on what each person is doing. And it's and and because not every single person has the same, uh, you know, end. Uh, what what's the word I'm trying to goal? say? Goal. Goal. <laughs> I'm trying to say, <laughs> say that was <without laughs> saying goal. I'm like more say- <laughs> goal. No, no, no. <laughs> but everyone has has a different set of requirements to win so you have to pay attention to what each other person is doing as well as what you have to do to win so it adds that uh that difficulty in that aspect but it is a very accessible game now i don't think you've played this game alex have you
2: i have not i uh i've heard of it uh specifically from you david and i know you've told me that it's a fantastic game uh i've just never played it the
1: uh, the one thing I think I can honestly appreciate this, about this game more than any other game that has an expansion is you can own multiple expansions and make the game whatever you want. You can literally have Thanos go up against Cruella Deville, go up against uh, Darth Scarf. or Darth <laughs> Vader. Yeah, and they're they're continuing to work on the game. The Marvel one has three expansions now, or two or three. One's Doc Ock and one's Venom.
0: Yeah, and the Star Wars one just came out with an expansion as well. And the cool thing about this game, or this game in general, is that you don't need to buy the base game. Uh, so the base game has, I think, five uh, five villains that you can play, or five or six characters that you can play. And then the expansions all come with, like uh, I think, three or four. So the expansions are half the price of the base game, but you don't need to buy the main game to play the expansion. So for someone who is uh, who wants to get into the game, who is a little bit more price conscious of their their spending, unlike me in regards to board games, you know, you could buy just an expansion and play that. Now, the the only downside to just buying an expansion is that you're limiting the the variety of characters that you can play. Right. So uh, say you there's three characters in the expansion you can play, you know, three different times. different character and then you you know that whereas like with the main game if there's six you got you got a lot more variety in general of that but overall this is a fun game
1: yeah isn't the 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 main game five and then each expansion is three for at least on the disney side so you've got like evil queen hades dr Facilia Facilier, i guess Scar, Radigan, Yzma, Cruella Deville, Mother Gothel, Pete, Gaston, the Horned Dragon, stepmother syndrome, Lotso, uh, Madame Mim—like that's fucking awesome! You yeah. have a game that has like insane possibilities, and you're playing with—if you're playing with six people or five people, your 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 um, your game combinations are always going to be unique. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't really matter because you're only playing your own character, anyways. But you can still screw up everybody else's stuff and that's what makes it fun
0: and and i want to talk about like the components for this one as well like each one had they come with different character uh like tokens or not tokens but like miniature things and they're designed to be more like artistic to describe the character rather than look like the character but they're all like it's they're really well done they're like semi-transparent or they're transparent plastic but the, and then the quality of the cards like they're almost like a velvety feel to them, right? Like it's really good quality uh, components in general. But I would I would definitely recommend this game for really anyone of any skill set because it's not that difficult to learn.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Um, I put this one as a four and a half or willingness to recommend. It's a great game that just like sometimes it sits on your shelf for months and you're like, oh, let's play some villainous. But it's always like one of those games. that's just if you know how to play it, it's very easy to play, get into you. And it's it's a quick study. I think it's like a 30 minute game at most.
0: Yes. Yeah, 30 to 30 to an hour depends on how many people we play. with. But I and I yeah. think also with this game, everyone has seen Disney movies, regardless of the- if you know you are a bum on the street, you've seen at least one of these Disney movies or you know the characters, right? So everyone can at least find a character that that they recognize or that they would want to play. So, but yeah.
2: Yeah, like uh, I've never played it. Based on your descriptions of it, it does sound very intriguing. Um, I would absolutely play this game. Not having played it though, I would have to give it a three. That's, That's- fair.
0: That's fair. David, what's next? Our next one. uh, I don't know if I think, uh, Alex, you've played this one with me. Uh, This is another HP Lovecraft themed or Arkham. uh, Yeah. Arkham horror style theme. Uh, This is called Elder Sign.
2: It's such a rich um, mythos for board games. Yeah. Is the uh, Lovecraftian kind of horror. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, this game is uh, one of my favorite games, actually. Like, I'm always down to play this game. It is another game that ex- is extremely difficult, um, mostly due to the luck mechanics of it. This is a mm. cooperative card and dice game. It's essentially you are investigators trying to prevent the great old one from emerging, and you have to, you're exploring a, a museum after hours at night. And preventing, you know, uh, creatures and demons and stuff like that from emerging. And you have to collect enough Elder Signs uh, by rolling dice, matching the icons on the dice to the icons on the card, defeating the cards, and then preventing. You get get Elder Signs, which then prevents the Great Old One from from, uh, coming up and devouring the Earth. Now, this is a cool game because there is a lot of strategy, but also a lot of luck involved with this one because mm-hmm. if you roll poorly you're screwed right but there is strategy in regards to there's special items that you can use to re-roll dice there's special dice that you can get that allows you to change the face of things um, you can work together to compete or complete spe- specific cards uh, it's it feels like it's a, a constant race against the clock because it kind of is. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this this game now, it's been years since I've played it, but I remember just a constant feeling of dread while we were playing it. There's always you're all, you always feel like there's something just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: This game was one of the first games I remember uh, seeing this game in a store. And actually, this was years ago. I was hanging out with Sean. We were, this was when you lived in like Northern Toronto or whatever. And we were taking the, uh, we had to take like the subway or something like that. And there's this like, I don't know. It's like this game store that felt like it was like on the side of a mall, but I don't even know where it was (laughs) honestly. Uh, But I remember seeing this box on uh, the shelf there and I'm like, that looks super cool. What is this? And I just wrote it down and It was probably, I want to say it was like a good two years later that I actually found the game at a decent price and I picked it up and I've played this game so many times. I've 3D printed accessories for this game just to to help uh, organize it a little bit more and and whatnot. Uh, This was one of my first forays into the Lovecraftian style of games or that mythos. And uh, I actually have a a neoprene mat for this game just wow. because it was a cool i got it for pretty cheap and it was like the. there's nothing special about the map it just has artwork that fits into the theme of the game it's like uh the layout or the blueprint of a
2: museum does the mat have um like dedicated spots to put game pieces on?
0: Uh, unfortunately, no, it's just more of a, because the way that this game is, is the, the idea is that you're, you're going to different rooms in this museum as they appear each day. Um, so the, the neoprene mat is actually just like a big, it looks like a blueprint of the museum. So mm-hmm. it's as if like everyone's, uh, you know, looking at this map, it's like, okay, we're going to go, I'm going to go this room. you are going to go that room. And then we come back to the beginning and, and look at it. But, um, Alex, when you've played this game, like what are some of the things that have stood out to you uh, when we first uh, played this
2: game? The just sheer terror every time you have to roll a dice, um, especially as the game goes on. And I think one of the times that we played, uh, I think we won, but it was seconds away from us losing. Like yeah, it was like it was like one, was one or one or it.
0: two yeah it was like one or two moves and then we were done and i think yeah. that's the only time that i've uh actually won this game like i've i've won a few times but every single time i've won it's always come down to that it's being like okay we have like literally one more roll and if we don't get this then like we lose and Those that's are the best games and and but that's where this game can i i know some people don't like games where the the luck of the game of winning is based off of how you roll. But really, I mean, people gamble and it's all based mm. on nice, you know, this is really no different, right? So uh, it can make the game, it can break the game. Like you could suck at rolling and, and then you'd never get anywhere in this, or you could be really lucky and, and win really easily. So that's what makes this game. I think appealing is that every time you play is going to be
2: different. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, since I really got into board games in general that I've noticed is I suck at rolling dice. I have a curse, uh, <laughs> and it always happens at just the worst moments, especially when I play D and D it'll just be like, Oh, I'm going to do this epic thing. Mm-hmm. Not one. Okay. You throw your ax into the ocean and it's like, damn it. Um, and that adds the stress level to a game like this where so much is just dependent on your dice rolling. Yeah. But like you said before, you can get items that will help with that, uh, help alleviate some of that, help change dice sides, re-roll dice.
0: Yeah. And, and then this game also has uh, there's a lot of expansions to this game as well, like smaller box expansions. Some of them add rooms to the uh, museum. Um, some of them actually give you completely different locations. So there's one like Omens of Ice where you're like uh, exploring uh, the Arctic or something like that. Uh, there's another one that is uh, what's it called? Um, Gates of Arkham actually where it's like you go out onto the streets of Arkham and you're exploring the town in that sense so it's the same mechanics but the locations and stuff like that are different so if you're if you're bored of the main game there is enough expansions to um to explore a little bit differently i know that there's a pretty extensive uh, mod on tts for this and actually there is a hulk hogan uh i believe it's hulk hogan a uh, special character that was a like, I believe correct me if i'm wrong anyone listening but i believe the actual it was a promo card for hulk hogan or something like that um and it's in the mod which is pretty funny but i'm always down to play this game 100% it's uh it's it's fairly easy to learn it's fairly easy to teach because the mechanics are pretty pretty easy and pretty straightforward
2: especially when compared to a game like arkham horror uh yes. it's it's got similar feels but it's so much uh more digestible in a shorter amount of time to somebody who may might not be as versed in board games. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's a wonderful entry point to this style of game. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm
0: gonna definitely give this one a f I'd have to say a four and a half out of five. The only downside to this game that I can think of is uh it's a very luck heavy game. But it doesn't mm-hmm. make the game any less fun. It actually I think it increases the
2: the satisfaction when you when you do win. True. Yeah, I think I'm for this one I'm sitting around a uh a four. Um I haven't played it nearly as much as you have, but it is quite enjoyable. Uh the dice rolling just terrifies me. Um but get past that and it's a wonderful game.
1: I I'm gonna be like I have been almost this entire show <laughs> silent on a three. Yeah,
0: you know, I think we got a list of games that we got to play with uh, Sean on TTS. I think we're we're slow. That's the the great thing about our board game episodes that we do is because Sean is not as w- w- well versed in these. Is that there's always someone that uh, or always something that we can show him and ex-
2: he. Well, can I just experience. gotta kidnap Sean and take him up to the North Pole.
1: Yeah, it sounds like that <laughs> might actually happen at some point. Where I just need to uh, plan some time to make that happen. Dear God, help us all.
0: Uh, Okay, so uh, we're going to do two more games, but the one, uh, I'm just going to touch on it uh, quickly uh, because I think this is a great game. Uh, Alex, you've played this with me. This is Fury of Dracula. Mm Dr. Dracula. This is a, you need at least two people to play it, but it's better with more. It's Probably a four one, is the ideal. Yeah, it's a one versus all game. So one person plays Dracula and this is like based off of like Bram Stoker's Dracula and the characters in that kind of world that he created. Uh, it's a one versus all one person plays Dracula where he's moving around the map trying to uh, essentially get powerful to take over like Europe, um, but it's all hidden movement. So no one knows where he is. And then the other, uh, I'm going to just call them investigators for lack of better terms. Uh, Everyone else is trying to find him. And the only way that they can find him is by uh, either landing on the
2: spot with him and investigating.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or something will happen or or Dracula will do something that will Mm -hmm. uh, affect a a city or a town. And then they'll know kind of where he is. This game is a lot
2: of fun. Yeah, the interesting part about Dracula's movement in this game is that he's effectively planning several turns ahead. So when something happens, when something, uh, I think they call it maturing in a city, when mm-hmm. something matures, Dracula's already four, five, six towns away. Um, so those give you clues as to his movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to basically d- deduct where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um
0: and then, uh, and then with Dracula as well, he because he uh, gets damaged from water, he can go mm. through the water, um, and uh, then um, he'll get damaged, right? So you'll
2: you'll know. Um, Good old
1: Dracula.
2: I will Another also say never played. Fury of Dracula does have a pretty decent um, digital version on Steam
0: it does Uh, yeah and mobile like i have it on my tablet mm -hmm. as well i think i have it on steam um this is this is a very thematic game that now the thing Mm -hmm. is is like as i've played this game where i was dracula i haven't played from the investigator's point of view right um but i
2: played from both
0: i think as dracula like it's a slower it's a slower Pace for you as Dracula because you're waiting for everyone else to go. If you're playing with three other people, you're waiting for three turns to go before you can do your one thing, right? And mm-hmm. it's like all these people are working together against you. But it's cool as Dracula because you can kind of sit there scheming because like everything is on the table. Like you know what they're doing and what they're planning is. So you can kind of uh change your strategy based off of what other people are doing or what they're saying or what they're planning, and you don't have to share any of that with them uh and it can get really cutthroat especially when you're like shit i am uh stuck in between like three people they're all in the towns around me they're getting in close and i think this is what happened with me when we were playing Mm -hmm. is my only option was to go and confront someone head on or go into the water and so i chose to go into the water took damage they knew i was in the water uh but ultimately luckily i got to the other side of the map and and (laughs) one uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> through that strategy, but it was close it was i close. I believe
2: that was also like we only had to do one or two points of damage to you to get you mm-hmm. and then uh, I can't remember how Dracula wins in the game exactly. he gets a certain amount of influence or something right? something like
0: that yeah, it's influence yeah. yeah but uh overall i would uh I would highly recommend this game. It is a long game though this is mm-hmm. like not a a this is a game where you start at like noon and you play for, you know, three or three or four hours. Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: too too long for my blood. That's a two for me. I don't know. I haven't played <laughs> but the next two <laughs> games, I promise you, I have played. So let's do dead of winter first. Cause we, we have recently talked about it on a, a previous episode. So it'd be nice to, to kind of throw this game out there as well. Um, my first experience was actually with both of you. And uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was very fun. I did find the learning part of the game rather challenging at 10 p.m. Toasted out of my mind. But...
2: Small challenges, you know. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, so small challenges like standing straight and reading. But <laughs> everything else was pretty good. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You get to kind of develop your own characters. I really loved the... The idea of like just building your backstory based off whatever you saw on the board. There were some weird affairs in that game, but it was it was all for fun.
2: It was just Which that that whole like character backstory stuff. That was just something David and I started when we first played the game. This was yeah. actually the first, I'd say, like complex board game that I really got into.
0: Yeah. And and I think this was a pretty big staple at our table uh, yeah. when I lived down there. Still is. Um. Yeah. The, the cool thing about this, and it's it is a difficult game in two aspects. There is a lot to learn, but then there's a difficulty in regards to the game itself is actually difficult to win. Mm-hmm. You start off with different. Uh, you you select a, a scenario, and that's going to have uh, your your goals <laughs> of for anyone taking the. <laughs> Count at home. How many times have I said goals by now? <laughs> uh, so there's a there's a uh, final end game task that needs to be done. So like uh, a basic one is you have to collect. Uh, I think it's like
2: tissue samples. Yeah. Which is like, basically when you kill a zombie, you have to roll a dice. And if you get, I think, a four five or six, you get a tissue sample and you got to get three of those for every player.
0: Yeah. So. That, you know and then there's other ones where it's like you have to literally just survive like nine rounds and then there's mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of stuff but that there's a, a an in, interesting mechanic in this that we haven't played with this i think we played with it once uh but the, when we play with sean we didn't play with it because i think it was too much to uh add to the rules and stuff like uh, that. at that point <laughs> yeah but uh w- I'm talking about the uh, there's a trader mechanic and Mm. I know that Alex, you've, you've played with probably the trader mechanic a little bit more than I have
2: extensively. I prefer it without it. If you want like a, you know, less chaotic and like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Goal. No, um, (laughs) less chaotic night, I guess. Yeah. It, it can add a don't... certain level
0: of stress to the game that if you're just wanting to relax and I, I mean, like this isn't a relaxing
2: game. The game you, itself is going to punish you. Yeah. Like, you don't but need if, the person sitting next to you to do it for you.
0: Yeah. Like if you want a game where you can actually work together and 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 collaborate, then play without the trader. Otherwise, the trader mechanic is interesting because everyone mm-hmm. has their at the beginning of the game. Everyone gets their own individual goal. So it's like, okay, you have to win as a group. So there's the group scenario, but then each person has their own individual goal. So like you might be yours might be uh, by the end of the game, you have to have one medicine and one weapon equipped to your player. I might have, I need to have one fuel and two food or something like that. So uh, each round, everyone has to make sure that there's enough food and all that stuff in the, in the um, compound or whatever it is to feed everyone there uh but then also the trader mechanic allows people to like that uh, if, if you're the trader your goal is to make everyone lose but then you also have your your goal of winning so you can make people lose by failing the daily uh scenarios or crises um and then eventually ultimately if someone thinks that you're the trader then as a group, people can vote to exile you. And then if that's correct, then you get exiled and you can't go into the compound. You have a a mechanics change and all that stuff. So it, it adds a level of complexity to the game that when you, (laughs) when it's 10 o'clock at night and you've been drinking all day, it's not something that you want to add. But I don't think I've ever, I think we've played once with the trader uh, and we almost ended. I, I felt like, we almost had a couple break up, because yeah, of,
2: because of it. Yeah, it was pretty close.
1: <laughs> what is the, um, in your personal opinion, or I guess your experience? What is the win percentage for you guys?
2: Oh, it geez. depends on what you mean by win. Like group win is, well, probably to, to, like not
1: win, Alex. It's to to <laughs> accomplish your goal to win the game. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, there's the group win where basically every, like, the colony survives. Yeah. Um, And then there's your individual goal, which is one step further. So group survival, maybe about half the time. Yeah. Individual goal, I'd say I've won 15%. Wow. I would say I have never accomplished
0: the individual goal. And then uh, the group goal is about 50% success rate
1: now both of you guys own this game right because it is a little <laughs> bit of a bigger box do either of you have like the big box or any specialized items or
0: uh well hey, no. that, the game it's a pretty average sized box uh there are a few expansions but they're more like two just, i believe like promo well yeah there's sorry there's two expansions one that adds another colony and then ones that um adds just I don't know more. I think it adds scenarios. the ability
2: to be uh, up to eight players, mm-hmm. and then you can basically have two colonies going at once that are mm-hmm. at, like competitive against yeah. each other. Um, And then some of the other stuff is just like promo
0: items. Like there's another game that re- that came out a while ago called Raxon, and it's like a prequel of, prequel to this game. And it came with two special characters and two cards for this one. There's a bunch of promo cards for mm-hmm. this game, but. um, overall
2: like i don't know one of the characters, characters is also, also a dog so you know
0: i and mean drunk santa. Awesome. <laughs> and and the drunk santa and it's actually funny because the uh, mall santa uh his special ability is that if you voluntarily choose to kill him it increases it raises up the uh the morale of the, <laughs> of, the col- of the colony uh overall though this game this is a game again that uh we lose more often than we win, but we still go back to play it. Mm-hmm.
1: It has a very different, like I've played this game once and I've played Arkham Horror a total of zero times and I would go back to dead of winter, not because I've played it, but it's more fun sounding. If Yo all wow. things were the same and they were both zero
2: plays for me, yeah, I would go to dead of winter. I would Dead say Dead of Winter is also an easier like entry point.
0: Yeah, Dead of Winter is a much more accessible game because you can mm-hmm. really break the turns down into smaller chunks. And the with Dead of Winter, there is a player card that has in order what you're supposed to do. So if you mm-hmm. don't remember it, it's literally right there on on there. And and you know what? For the number of times that we've played the game, we still refer to that that order of operations fairly regularly.
2: Every turn. Yeah.
1: That's fair. So I would say for me, dead of winter would be, uh, you guys are probably going to go higher. I'm going to say a three and a half just because I've only played it once, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. All right.
0: I would say Uh, this um, one's probably about a four for me. Um, because there is, if, if you don't have someone that again, it all comes down to the people that you're playing with. If you, if you mm -hmm. have people that don't really care to learn, um, or, um that just don't like the theme, then it's it would be difficult to kind of portray or bring across them. But uh I think overall, like this game is it's it's a heavier game, but once you learn to play it, you you know how to play. Like Alex and I, I mean, when we were playing it, you had never played it, Sean, but Alex and I had played it before multiple times. We had all been drinking all day and we still knew the pretty much basics on how to play the game right yeah. and that kind of goes to show at how well the game is designed that it's pretty straightforward
2: yeah like i'm sitting around a 4.5 for this game the only complaint i have about this game really is the rule book oh yeah the kind of Balanced game but the rule book isn't the clearest uh, or the best laid out so you yeah. have to do some rule searching. Yeah,
1: not soul searching, rule searching.
2: Yeah,
0: and uh, another advantage of this game is that it's not necessarily it's not s- only a like a game for Halloween. It actually can lead into the winter months because the game takes place in winter.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> and it is a major gameplay component of the game. You don't want to get frostbite in this game because it is one of the worst things. Yeah, I, I, pretty much every time you move your character, there's a chance that you could die. Yeah, it has one of the just most devilish dice in any game I've played. You know what? I want to talk about the dice for a second there, mm-hmm. because the the dice that you use to
0: roll to determine if you get bit, if you get frostbite or something like that, it's what, a 16-sided dice or something like that? Uh,
2: a 12. It's a D12. Oh, it's a
0: 12-sided dice. Yeah. But it's not equal. So. No. Every every side of that is on a slight angle. That's like so when you roll it, it keeps rolling and it's not a just a straight up typical dice. So you might think that you're doing a good roll and then it lands on a slight obscure angle and then it flips a like a zombie bite and you're dead.
1: I don't even remember that being a thing like I don't remember like physically holding it and being like, oh, yeah, this is great. Or like, this is a weird feeling dice.
0: I will. I will send some pictures. I'll post some pictures on our Instagram of the dice uh, so that so that y'all can see it.
1: I'm down. I'm down. All right. Final game, gentlemen. Horrified. And the recently released Horrified American Monsters. He's a co-op game where you essentially fight movie monsters. And it is fantastic. Also has soundtracks online, mind you. But this game, to me, I, w- were you the one who showed me it, David?
0: It, I was. I brought it over. So this game, uh, it's it into my brain. It's a fun game. It looks good. It's easy to learn. You can adjust the difficulty very easily. Um, the you're you're playing against classic what is it, the universal. Studio monsters. So you got Dracula, you got uh, Frankenstein, or sorry, Frankenstein's Wolfman. monster and his bride of Frankenstein's monster, Wolfman. You got the swamp thing. You got the Invisible Man. Uh, so you are essentially our characters that are going around this town, collecting items and trying to com- complete objectives for each monster. So uh, you select the monster. So say you're playing uh, Dracula. Or, or, playing against Dracula, he's on the map trying to stop people, but then your goal as an individual is to get the spikes and then go or just get certain items to destroy his coffins that are spread around town, right? Uh, I think for Frankenstein's monster and bride, uh, you have to keep them separate until you get Enough items to so that they don't kill each other, like any wedding or any marriage, I guess. <laughs> uh,
1: Redacted's gonna hear about this.
0: Redacted. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, and the cool thing is, like, the difficulty does scale depending on the monsters that you play against or how many monsters you play against.
1: Isn't there also a card that tells you, like, what level you can play by a combination of monsters?
0: So, yeah. Like, if like, you it, want
1: it, like, super complex and.
0: In the rule book, it says, like, if you want a difficult game, play with these ones. If you want, like, an easier game, just play with, like, Dracula and, like, the swamp thing or whatever, or the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, I played this, I don't know, half a dozen times. I know that, Sean, you've picked this up after I showed it to you, right?
1: Yeah, we've played it probably six to eight times. We only bring it out around Halloween,
0: though. And that's it's the thing. Not- it's like, like, this is definitely a Halloween game.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really fun game. I, I, to, to echo David, it's very beautiful. Like it's a stunning piece of artwork. And I I think that's what makes me want to play it more. But everyone from the first, actually from both games, you remember watching these movies in grainy film, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that like when you were a kid, you were terrified of these monsters and people who are picking up this game right now their parents have played this game for sure, but maybe they don't know the old Dracula movies or the Bigfoot movies or Mm
0: -hmm. like
1: the Ozark Howler.
0: Well, that's the thing is like American monsters is the sequel to this. It came out a few years after I think uh, horrified came out what 2019. Yeah. Yeah, And then American monsters came out in 2021. Uh, I would say the original game has the iconic monsters. Whereas the uh, American monsters one, has you know bigfoot mothman jersey devil the chupacabra whatever that is chupacabra i don't even know what that is uh banshee of the badlands again don't know what ozark howler like so these are things that like these are more urban legends right whereas the first one is is uh i think
2: i think there's an episode of the x-files for each one of those monsters you just mentioned
1: yeah and uh episode of workaholics for the Chupacabra. Mm
0: yeah so i i have american monsters i haven't played it though uh they've changed some of the mechanics a little bit but it's a, the same basic concept um i don't think american monsters did as well as the original horrified um so i don't know if we're going to get another type of game but i mean this game the theme could be split to or, or japanese or monsters. made anything international
1: monsters that'd be cool so you get like godzilla king kong you can get that pterodactyl looking thing lots of stuff yeah i don't overall i think this game like going by the theme of the games that we talked about today a a lot of scarier spooky games are co-op based this one does put a lot of pressure on you to get some things done as quickly as possible because as turns linger more and more civilians die (laughs) and the game gets harder and harder to to survive the night Mm -hmm. Um, it's fun it's one of those games that you can actually play twice in one night and nobody really bats an eye especially if you lose right you're like shit we gotta drag it where you don't get that feeling with some of the other games that we've talked about where it's like you've beaten Betrayal and like I know when we played Betrayal um the last time we all hung out, we played games back to back. Yeah. And it was like it was a little bit much. We could have switched to another game, but then you're like, oh, betrayal takes so much to set up. You have to pull out all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. You have to look for everything. This one is you pull out the board, you pick whatever monsters you want, you put a bunch of cutouts on the the table, and you're good to go. Very simple.
0: Yeah. I think the longest uh Thing that takes a setup is actually pulling uh, random items out of the bag to, <laughs> to put them on the because you're like okay this one goes at this location this one goes at this this location but overall like it is a it is a fun game it's you can play one player if you want it and that's the thing is like that's how uh, accessible this game is but I find that playing with uh, you know I would say three to four players is probably the, the perfect uh player base for this one because you can really work together and really uh you know strategize and i think that the replayability in general for this game because you can change the characters the the monsters that you play against it does change the strategy that's required right like you could play with uh dracula and and uh the swamp thing in one game and then play with the swamp thing and the invisible man, in another one. So some of the the tasks that you have to do to complete are the same, but then it's also slightly different and certain items that you might need for one, you might have to use those for another monster at the same time. So like it is, uh, I don't know. It's always been a game that has, has gone over well, I think when I've introduced it to new people.
1: At, off the top of your head, do you remember what one the easiest one to fight is? Is it the mummy?
0: Um, I think Dracula is actually the easiest. And then the the swamp thing or creature from the Black Lagoon or whatever. That yeah, one's... creature from the Black Lagoon. Because with the creature of the Black Lagoon, all you have to do is uh, get certain items and then move the, the boat to the end point of their little map thing. And then Dracula, you have to just go to the four different spots of the map and destroy the coffin with six red items or something like that.
1: Right. And the the boat mechanic is like, if you roll really well, you can skip through most of the river.
0: Yeah, it's like a, it goes based off of the color of the item. So it's like at the beginning, if you have a blue item that you use, you can skip the first three uh, spots, right? So uh, it, it kind of makes, I think the creature of the, of the Black Lagoon is probably a little broken in the sense I think it would, a little bit more difficulty would be moving one space at a time or like at most two kind of thing. But you can really skip like three spaces every single time.
1: Right. I think if there was to be one more horrified, I've changed my answer from international monsters. Hear me out. Christmas villains.
0: Like like who? Like we got Krampus.
1: You got Chris um Jack Frost. You have who who really is the bad guy in Nightmare Before Christmas. But
0: Ooga like, Boogie, isn't it?
1: Oogie Boogie, or you could argue Jack Skellington is actually the problem and not the solution. <laughs> but like don't don't you think it would be kind of cool to have like a, a Christmassy version of this and it's like in uh you could even do it in like Santa's village and they're all trying to kill santa claus and
0: wow that got dark real fast well
1: these monsters are all trying to kill all the townspeople so it's the same thing i mean like
0: i feel like though with this with horrified and american monsters the monster themes are all very similar but with like the christmas style stuff like they're not on the same level of
1: why they all want christmas to not happen it's a common theme yeah but Corporate greed could be a uh, a bad guy. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and the executives at Hallmark—that's just another one.
0: There, there we are. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, what's your final recommendation for this one? For me, I'm I'm again in the four range. I don't think I can give it a four point five because, like you're recommending somebody to buy a game that they're going to play for one or two months at a time, and then they're going to put it away. And sometimes you might only play it once or twice in a season. So I'll say a four.
2: I've never played this game. Uh, oh, shit. You have. Oh, I, haven't. Also, I totally forgot. <laughs> no. Uh, I wonder why you're so silent. That, <laughs> out of all the games that we've talked about today, it feels the most thematic to this season. So I think you you mentioned it earlier, Sean, that like you only play this around Halloween, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of the other games can be played year round without you know a drop in in like theme or anything. Mm-hmm. Like Dead of Winter, like you said earlier, David, can be played in the winter and it still fits completely. Uh, the Arkham games and Elder uh, Sign can be played any time. They're just scary games. That's true. This game is, you know, Halloween themed.
0: Yeah, because I guess like when you watch like the these movies, it's always like, okay, it's October that like, we're gonna watch Dracula. We're gonna watch, you know, uh, Frankenstein. Like those are the the typical like the classic Halloween style stuff. I don't think this mm-hmm. game is only playable in in October or <laughs> spooky season, um, but I I it definitely is. I would say one of the more recommended games when uh, we're, we're looking at games to play around this time of year.
1: I'm almost positive. We played it around Halloween and then uh, my other half's parents bought it for us for Christmas. And then it like we played it at Christmas and it just didn't feel right. Like I I remember sitting there being like, this is not the mood
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's for sure. It's definitely not a a Christmas game to play. But I was going to say this is a uh, if you have a person in your life that uh, even dabbles casually in board games out of all the games that we've talked about, I would say this is one of the ones that I would definitely recommend as a Christmas gift.
1: Sure, I I would agree. I think out of all of them, like sure why don't we do that and then we'll wrap it i would say out of all these games the one i would recommend the most as a gift is betrayal i think it's one of the more fun games like i haven't played some of them so that is fair as well but out of the games that i have played i would be leaning towards betrayal or villainous betrayal just has the edge because it's a little bit more of a complex game you really get into the story if you're playing music Everybody at, around the table is like involved. You feel for the characters as you're playing. Everybody has that same sense of urgency to me out of all these games. That is the one I would recommend the most on a gift guide. So there. Yeah. How I you think doing?
2: if i if I was going to pick uh, one of these games, it would either be betrayal or dead of winter to recommend. Namely because they're they were also my first forays into more complex board games. You know, not just Risk or Monopoly, but these uh, super thematic games.
1: And David recommends Katam.
2: I fucking hate Katam. His favorite game. <laughs> uh,
0: no, I, like other than Horrified, I would say, uh, you know what, I would I would have to go with uh, Betrayal at House in the Hill, just because it is a very easy game to pick up and play. Uh, I mean, if you were to get the third edition. Apparently, they fix a lot of the, the problems with the rule books and stuff like that. Um, but it is a game that you can play with a variety of haunts. You could play the game 20 different times and have a different outcome each time, like a different uh, haunt or end game story each time, which is I which think is the really base good.
2: game has something like 50 haunts or 100 haunts.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I've only ever seen like six of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I have found that playing that game is that you do tend to replay some of the same ones. Yeah. Just luck of the draw. Yep.
1: But cool. So that's it for this one, guys. If you want to hear more of our board game recommendations or hear more about board games, we might ask Alex to come around again. He's a, he's a pretty good, cool, uh, cool guy, and he, he likes to talk about board games. And if you guys are real good, he might stick around for some other stuff in the future. But
0: Sexy stuff.
1: <laughs> for <Alex>. i'm scared <laughs> please help us um we want to thank you alex for coming on and we can't wait to have you here again uh for myself
0: wow, wow woo, very nice?
1: and david that hansel's so hot right now we want to thank you all for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the xenon screen podcast